Hey, this is Ashraf. Welcome to One Day One Hack. Today, I'll be talking about how to become a successful leader. And to drop this value bomb on this topic, I brought Rocky Romanella on the mic. He is a CEO and a founder of 360 Management Service. He has launched one of the largest rebranding in franchise history. And he's also a winner of the UPS Chairman's Award for Excellence. He has a book, Titan the Luck Nuts, a game-changing book to upgrade your business and leadership skills to the next level. Welcome to One Day One Hack, the podcast that's guaranteed to help you be the best version of yourself. Each week, we'll share a new trend of business strategies and life hacks that will enable you to maximize your full potential. Now, let's welcome our host, Ashraf. Rocky, say what's up to our listeners and share one thing about yourself that most people don't know. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the show with you today. I think that uh, one thing that uh, they probably don't know about me is, is that I started out unloading trailers part-time for UPS, working my way through college. I, oh. went to college. I went to college to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. And uh, as I was working my way through UPS, I realized that some of the best leaders that I worked for were those leaders that could help their people through teaching them and working with them and mentoring them. And I felt like, well, that's what really great teachers do. And so I never gave up my teaching pa- uh, passion. My teaching just went from a traditional classroom to the business setting. So that's something about me that probably most people don't know. I started out unloading trailers at UPS part-time. Uh, I took advantage of a promotion from within policy. And I guess you could say the rest is history. Oh, <laughs> you, you became a teacher before? No, no. I wanted to be a teacher, but I chose business as my teacher. I decided that if I was a good business leader, I would be a good teacher, so I would still be a teacher just in a business setting. Ah, uh, <laughs> I see. You, you, I, I mean, you have a lot of work before, right? Like sales and operation management. Yeah, I had a chance to run many, uh, many things inside of UPS, uh, both the traditional operation, managed sales organizations. Uh, UPS went through a series of acquisitions, and I managed the uh, UPS store network for UPS when after we purchased Mailbox, et cetera. Then we rebranded it to the UPS store. Uh, we had over 20 acquisitions, put them together and built UPS supply chain solutions. And I integrated those companies and ran this side of the hemisphere for UPS, uh, where I am today, which is North America, South America, Latin America, uh, Mexico, and, and ran the supply chain for UPS on this side of the world. And so all of those opportunities gave me a chance to grow and develop, but more importantly, understand that your people are your, still your greatest asset. And so no matter what you're buying or what business you're running or what business you're starting, it really comes down to the people that will execute your brand. Yep, I agree. People are the greatest asset we have. All right. As I mentioned in the intro, we are going to talk about how to become a successful leader. And Rocky has some great values that he is going to drop on us. So Rocky, you have an experience for over 40 years in supply chains, logistic, retail, sales, and operational management. And after that, you discovered the principle of balanced leadership. 
What do you mean by balanced leadership? Well, I think it's very important when you're leading organizations and you're leading people that you make your decisions in a balanced approach. And I think extremes are never good on, on any one side. And so for me, this, this balanced leadership concept is understanding that there's three key constituents in all your decisions. There's your people, your customers, and your share owners and stakeholders. And as you're making your decisions, you're making sure that all three are represented in that decision-making process. So for example, if you were developing a new product to go to market, well, that's the customer. And so the, you generally would have a very good plan, a strategy. You would go through all the analytics to make sure that that product is needed, where it fits in a marketplace. Of course, on the profitability side, your share owner stakeholder side, you're making sure that you price it properly, you understand the cost to serve, the logistics piece of it, and it's a profitable product for you. In many businesses, you would that would be your presentation. Well, I would say you missed your you missed your people. Make sure your people are well trained. They understand what roles they play, and so that's the balanced approach that all three are represented in that decision making process: your customers, your people, share owners, or stakeholders. And as people presented new ideas to me, I would make sure that okay, the customers represented in the new product, share owner, stakeholders represented because we it's a profitable product wait, we didn't talk about our people. We didn't talk about training. And so for me, I always wanted to make sure that all three constituents were represented, customers, people, shareholders, stakeholders, and that's that balanced approach. Mm -hmm. So if we are talking about customer, customer service, is it being a leader in customer only or being a leader in all those three things? We have to be a leader in all three because in that question, if you're the head of sales, uh, well, obviously your focus is revenue and growing the business and adding new customers, retaining customers, but who's going to execute that? Well, it's going to be your people. And so you need to make sure that your people understand what roles they're playing, that they're part of the, pro they're part of the solution. They're not part of the problem. So would you, so your people have to be represented. So even though your focus may be as the director of sales or the leader in sales, you still need to make sure that your people are represented. And, and then you need to make sure that your share owners are represented and how they would be represented in that example is what type of revenue are you going after? Is it profitable revenue? Is it good margin revenue? Is it, is it revenue that fits in excess capacity? So the share owner stakeholders will be represented by your understanding, okay, I'm, I'm charged with growing the business. I'm the director of sales. So clearly the customer is my main focus. But in balance, I want to make sure my people understand what role they play and they're trained properly. They have a good plan to execute and they understand their plan. And frankly, we know what revenue we're going after and we know it's good revenue for our business and we're not churning out that revenue. I see. So is it about, you know, micro micro organization? It's more of a holistic approach. So if you think about it, when you have a responsibility inside an organization, you tend to focus on your responsibility and just the things that you're responsible for. But in the balanced leadership approach, you're looking outside of that. You're looking outside of what your roles and responsibilities are. You're looking at how they impact your customers and your people and your share owners. And you're also looking at, because remember, inside an organization, you have external customers, but you also have internal customers. So for example, you know, I go out as a sales rep, a sales manager, and I'm visiting new customers, but I also am going to need help from 
maybe legal when it comes time for a contract. I'm going to need help from accounting to make sure that I'm pricing this product right. And so those are my internal customers. And so if I have a good relationship with the external customer, I can win and sell their business. But I also need to have a good internal relationship so that that help I need from them, they're willing to help me because I'm a good partner and I work with them. And so that's balance, right? You're just not focused on your area of responsibility. You're understanding how it impacts uh, everyone inside your organization. And that really comes down to people and shareholders outside, you know, beside not only the customers. Ah, so they are external and internal. Wow, that's a new concept. I mean, I just heard that. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> and Rocky, let's get real specific into our topic today. You know, in my college year, which is right now, we have many group assignments. And usually in a group, there are two kinds of person. A person who is smart and intelligent, and another one is a, is a famous person in social media. I mean, they have many followers and friends. So here's the thing. At first, this smart person was elected as the leader in a group because he's smart. But the problem is he doesn't talk to his group. He doesn't know how to manage the group. But on the other hand, this famous guy is a talkative person. He knows how to deliver the message, influence the group member. So guess what happened in the next few days? The leader title has changed to this famous person, from the smart guy to the famous guy. So I realized that when we want to lead people, we have to influence them, right? Do you think a leader is similar to an influencer? Well, that's why I think we're all leaders at one time or another, because all of us, depending on the role or responsibility we have, are charged with the responsibility to lead, influence, and direct. So, for example, in a work setting, it's more defined. But, for example, as a parent, we're influencing, we're leading. If you're, you know, in a on a team, on a sports team, for example, you know, you may be the captain of the team. And even as an individual contributor, you're a leader because of how you do your job. Are you the very best at what you do? If you are, then you're leading by example. So, yes, you're, you're an influencer. You're a communicator. Uh, leaders are people that get organizations, get other people, get themselves to achieve results that they never thought they could achieve. It's, mm. it's those breakthrough kinds of thinking that helps with that. And I think that I think sometimes we get caught up with leadership in, as a title. It's not a title. Leaders are people who make a difference. They leave a legacy. I always say that, you know, did you leave things a little better than you found them? Are people better because of their time with you? Are your customers better as a small business owner? I would ask your small business owner listeners, are your customers better because of their interaction with you if, or their interaction with your business? If that's true, then that's your legacy. That's your leadership. So you become a market leader because you leave things a little better. Your customers are better. Your people are better. I think that's what leadership's all about, that legacy of leaving things a little better than you found them. And so you do that through your ability to influence, communicate, hold yourself and your people accountable. Does that, does that, does that make sense? Does that sound reasonable or? Yep. Yep. It's, it's like, there's a saying that leadership is an action, not a position. Ah, right? very good. I like that. I, I like that. Yes. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's not uh, the power that you hold. It's about how do you empower people to do something 
Well, I think that's very true. And I think, you know, empowerment, true empowerment is when people discipline themselves. When I understand what it is that I'm supposed to do or achieve or what role I play inside the organization, when when it doesn't work out, I'm more I'm more upset with myself than you are with me. So I'm empowered. I'm holding myself accountable. I'm disciplining myself. I'm upset about the fact that we didn't achieve those goals. If you think about it for a second, if you're a student, you're a student and, and you know, you have a goal to get these grades or to learn this specific topic and you didn't achieve it. Well, you're more upset with yourself than probably your parents or your peers are because you're disappointed in your actions. You're disappointed in the results Well, you're empowered. If you're not, if you're not upset about it, then at that point, you're just a caretaker. I'm here because I have to be here or I'm at this job because I have to be at this job. You're a caretaker, but you don't want to be a caretaker. You want to be empowered. You want to be an owner. You want to be the person that's, that's more upset about the the failure than, than, than your boss or your family or someone that you're working for. So you're truly empowered when you discipline yourself. Yep, discipline of self. So the main skill the leader should have is uh, discipline and influencing people. Is that is that correct? Yeah, and, and if you think about it, that all comes to accountability. You hold yourself accountable and you're more upset with your results than anyone else. No one's going to hold you more accountable than you could hold yourself, and that's a true leader. Yep, I agree on that. And what are the skills to master in order to become a successful leader? Well, I think one of the biggest skills of, of leaders is the ability to communicate. Now, I think that communication, because all of us are different, right? Some of us are better public speakers. Some of us are better in groups. And some of us are better one-on-one communicators. Uh, I think that at some point you have to do all three. But I think that the, if you're a better one-on-one communicator, then you try the, as best you can to communicate one-on-one as as often as you can, but you're going to have to communicate in a group at some point. So you work on that skill. If you're a better, if you're a better communicator in a large group, well then even though that may be your desire to always do it in a group setting, you're going to have to have that one-on-one communication. It may be uh, someone is not performing up to standards. So you need to have that conversation. It may be you want to have a, a, you know, career development conversation or someone just got a raise. And so you want to do that in a one-on-one setting. So you're always going to have to work on that one communication skill you may not be as comfortable with because you're going to have to use it. But I think one of the uh, skills that a great leader has to have is the ability to communicate uh, and be able to make sure their people understand what role they play and have those difficult conversations. I mean, it's fun to have the conversations when you're doing well. The tough ones are the ones that when someone may be struggling or someone, you know, maybe not doing the things you need them to do, you need to have that conversation with them. Those are difficult conversations, but you have to have it with them. Mm, I like that you talk about we have to master three kind of conversation, one-on-one and one-to-many. And uh, is it you, do we have to use different language when we talk one-to-many and one-to-one? Well, I think what happens is you have to understand your audience, number one. And number two is motivation, you know, ethically and morally, you treat people the way you want to be treated. But when it comes to motivating people, you treat them the way they want to be treated. And what I mean by that is, for example, if if I'm talking to a group of people who are very sports minded, well, sports analogies would work very well. 
But if I'm talking to a group of engineers, for example, that are very analytical, if I'm using sports analogies, I may not be connecting with them. So I have to understand my audience. I have to understand what motivates them. I have to understand what excites them. And then, then as I'm speaking, I'm thinking about how am I going to connect with them by using uh, stories, analogies, examples that they can relate to. And I, so I think that's so important that you understand your audience and you understand what motivates them and what excites them. And then I think that's how you are able to get that connection with people and they, and they start to visualize and they start to see and they start, you know, you start to see light bulbs going off. Mm, giving analogy, right? And it's not about how intellectual you are. It's about how you can get clear message on them. Well, I think you, I think you summed up a very, very, very important uh, part of being a great leader. And that's that it's never about you as the leader. It's always about your people. Mm. And I think yes. the mistake that meet leaders make is they start to make it internal, right? You know, someday when you're working inside an organization or, or your listeners are working in a, in, in a company today and, you know, they're sitting in a meeting and, and their leader or their boss says, he will say to them, you don't understand how difficult it is for me. You don't know how tough I have it. Well, now you just made it about yourself and you're sitting across and I'm thinking, hey, you wanted this job. It's, you took the job. I'm, I'm not here to worry about how tough it is on you. I'm trying to understand how to how I'm going to grow and develop, how I'm going to become a good member of the organization. And more importantly, how am I going to take care of my family? So when leaders make it about themselves, they lose the team, they lose the group. And I think you you hit it. You you summed it up very nicely in saying, yes, it's not about you. It's about your people. And I think that's very, very true. Yep. And. Also, you know, when, when we talk about the mistakes, there are some mistakes that the leader might don't know that they did it on purpose. Because I've seen a leader that is very good in my point of view, but to others, that person is a bad leader. Maybe they did some mistakes that I didn't see. What do you think are the common mistakes that a leader does on purpose and not on purpose? Well, I think we're all human, so we're going to make mistakes. The thing that I always am concerned about is, is I can help people through mistakes. Mm. But when leaders make bad decisions, that concerns me. So I'll give a quick example. That's a simple one, right? You know that it takes you a half hour every day to go to work. And, and, but you also know every day that you have to cross the railroad tracks. And then the train always comes at eight o'clock in the morning on the railroad, on that railroad tracks. So today you have an earlier meeting and it starts at 8.15 versus the normal time of nine o'clock. You don't change any of your routine. And now all of a sudden you get to the railroad track and the train's there. And now you're late for the meeting. That's not a mistake. That's a bad decision. Right. You were given you. You understood the time the meeting started. You know how to get to work. You know, the train comes every day at that time. You made a bad decision not not to get up earlier and to avoid that. That's not a mistake. Now, if you never knew the train tracks were there, that's probably a mistake. But if you know the train tracks are there and you know it comes at eight, whatever time I said, eight fifteen, that's a bad decision. So what you're trying to understand is, is it a mistake? If it's a mistake, then you help people through mistake. We're all going to make mistakes. We're going to make them, you know, especially a new business. When you're starting a business or you're, or you're starting new things inside your business, I always say make them small, make them fast, move on. You're going to make mistakes. Bad decisions are different, though. 
when, when leaders are making bad decisions, you're trying to understand, well, do they have a pattern of conduct that says they make bad decisions? And what you're paying a leader to do is make good decisions on behalf of your organization. So you have to separate those two out. What's a mistake and what's a bad decision? A mistake and a bad decision. Is it a bad decision in a in a category of not purpose? Well, bad decision, I mean, once you have the facts, if you didn't take the time to get the facts, then that's a bad decision. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right? So, yep. so you got to wonder, like, okay, you've got to this conclusion. Did you do your homework? Did you, did, did you go through all the facts? Do you understand the, what are some of the consequences? And if once right. you make your decision from its widest consequences or you look through, through the consequences, look, There's always unintended consequences that happen from a decision. You can't find them or see them all, but you have to do your due diligence to make sure that you did your best you you did your best you could to understand all those different consequences and decision points or outcomes. And so I think is is that's what you want to make it is you're evaluating an individual as a leader, you're trying to understand do they make good decisions or bad decisions? You know, I they're going to make mistakes. I'm good with it. As long as it's a mistake and they're trying hard, we're going to make mistakes. We'll work through that together. But if they're making bad decisions, that kind of it starts to concern you because as the steward of the business, as a person, you know, think about a small business owner, for example. You're, you start out, you own your own business, and now you start to add people to your business, one, two, three people. I mean, those people, those decisions are significant decisions in your small business. So you have to understand Are you making are you making a mistake? I'll help you with that. Maybe I should have given you more knowledge. Maybe I should have trained you some more. But if you're making bad decisions after I've given you the knowledge and after and I've given you the training, well, then that worries me now because you're making bad decisions on on behalf of our organization. <laughs> yeah, because when we are being a leader, all fall is ours. We have to take responsibility. We have to take the blame. Right. Yeah, you take that's exactly right. You 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 assume you you understand that that's your responsibility, and that and you always ask yourself. You know, it's funny as a leader, even in decisions that maybe you couldn't have done anything different, you still always question yourself. Boy, knowing what I know right now, could I have done it differently? Is there something I could have done? And that's how you learn, right? Even when someone leaves, let's say someone leaves your organization as a person, they move on. And it was the right decision, maybe. They, they weren't a fit. They weren't happy. You weren't happy with their performance. Even if it, even if everyone looks at you and says, you know, Rocky, that was a good decision they left. I always take a step back and say, what could I have done differently? What could I have done better? Were there signs that this person wasn't feeling like they were part of the organization? Or there are signs that they weren't, you know, connecting with our organization. And maybe at the end of the day, it was the right decision and there was nothing you could have done. But I always challenge myself to make sure of that because you learn through that challenging of yourself. Mm, I agree. That was awesome. And Rocky, I would give two kind of leader and then you choose which one is better. Okay. Okay. All right. One leader is a kind and soft person. He talks very politely and he never scolds the followers. Instead, he gives advice to fix the followers' problem. And another one is an aggressive leader. He's, he talks loudly and whenever he sees a mistake in his followers, he will scold them or maybe even punish them. 
So which one do you think is a better leader? Well, I'm always, I always believe that people is your most important asset. And it's hard to feel like people are, are the lifeblood of your organization if you never make me feel important. So leader number two is always going to struggle with that style of never allowing people to feel important or never feel like they're part of the team or feel like they're part of the solution. Because when you, when you take that approach that you described in leader number two, I never feel like I'm part of the solution. I feel like I'm part of the problem. And so they may get short gains, short-term gains, leader number two, but in the long haul, leader number one, when people understand that what you do stems from an honest heart, that the things that you do are because you care about them and you care about the organization. In the long term, you're going to have a better company, a better better people, a better team, people more willing to take that extra step. Uh, leader two, he may get results, but he'll get only the results he asked for. No one's going to do anything extra for him, right? It's I'm only going to do what I have to do, and that's it. Well, then you never get breakthrough results. You never you never do quantum leap kinds of things because. I'm just going to do what I have to do to survive. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's those are short-term gains. Uh, they don't get you the long-term results. They don't get breakthrough thinking. And I think that's what you want. You want breakthrough th- thinking. You want people to feel like they're they're part of something special. You want people to come in your office and say, "Hey, I was driving home last night, and I was thinking of these things that I think can help the business." Mm. Uh, that never happens in, in, in with, with leader number two. <laughs> So it's all about making uh, the followers feel important, right? Make them feel unique, special. No, I, I agree with you. And it's interesting because I I never even addressed people in my organization, whether it was very large numbers of people when I was at UPS or when I was at Unitech as a CEO or now in my, my small business. I always address them as people in my care. I believe that the people in the organization are in your care. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I don't address them as employees. I don't address them, you know, as workers. I address them as in people in our care. So the people in our organization, the people in our care. And if you like think about it, yeah, they're, they're, our, they're our business family. And, and do they? Now, uh-huh. the, the, it doesn't just like your family. It doesn't mean that every day you're 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 going to have those moments, right? As families do. You know, you're sitting there <laughs> having dinner one night, and it look, you know, it looks like. <laughs> You know, you can't agree on anything, but don't let anybody else talk about your family, right? And so it's the same thing in a business world, right? If that's your business family, yeah, you're going to have your moments. I think the key is that you can disagree without being disagreeable. Wow. Whoa. I I so agree on that. (laughs) Right? So we can disagree, you and I, but we don't have to be disagreeable. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. But in this case, I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. And how about an introvert person? Can they be a leader too? Because just like the story that I just gave about the group assignment, how an introvert can become a leader? Well, I think an introvert or an individual contributors are leaders because, but they lead in a different way. They may not want to lead a large group of people, uh, but, but, through their actions and, and through the way they go about doing their jobs, they're leaders. So, for example, if I'm an introvert and I'm a sole contributor, I, you know, I'm the, uh, you know, I'm the person that does. Uh, I put this thing on the widget and that finalizes the widget. Okay, but but no one does it better than I do. I think through all the obstacles. I'm always thinking about new and better ways to do 
things and people see that about me and through that I become a leader. People say, you know what, I like the way Rocky goes about doing his work. I like the way he, he analyzes things. And so they may come to you as an individual quietly and say, hey, I've got this problem. What do you think I should do? Or how do you think I should handle it? And nobody even really knows that someone's coming to you as the individual contributor or the introvert. But one-on-one, quietly, they're asking your opinion. And before you know it, you become the source of a lot of information and knowledge inside an organization. But nobody knows it because you do it quietly you do it independently. And so you're a, you're a leader. And so I think that that's that word legacy. So I use the word legacy. I always talk about, do you leave things a little better than you found them? You know, I'll give you a quick example if you have a minute. So if I was given, you know, a keynote speech here and I had three or 400 people in a room and I asked that group, no matter where they were around the country uh-huh. or around the world, Hey, do you know who your local uh, politician is? Or do you know who your local so-and-so is, they may not be able to answer that question. But if I said to them, do you know who that teacher is who made a difference in your life? Everybody stops and can think of that individual teacher who made a difference in their life, right? So think about that. So, So teachers may not consider themselves as a leader, but because they made a difference in someone's life, they really are a leader, a contributor, a person who left things a little better than they found them. So a leader is measured on knowledge, not on strength, right? Because if an introvert can be a source of information, like you said, so it's all based on the knowledge that we have. Well, their knowledge and their ability to influence, their ability to leave things a little better. That's the key. Mm -hmm. They take that knowledge and in their own way, as an individual contributor, as an introvert, as you said, they make a difference. They leave things a little better. You know, and, and as people are listening to this, I'm sure they're all thinking about either themselves as that kind of quiet introvert, or they're thinking about somebody inside their organization that they never really realized how important they were before. Well, I know that so-and-so does that, but I never realized what a good, what a big influence they are on other people inside the organization. And when you start to notice that People go to that person quietly and they say, hey, I need some help. Can you? What do you think? They start to realize that they're much more influential than they ever thought they were. They play a bigger role in the success of the organization than they ever gave them credit for. That is so true. And all right, Rocky, we are close to an end today. So what's the final takeaway that our listeners will really get from our chat today? And share with us how we can find more about you and how to connect with you. Well, I think I, I always tell and I, I, I spend a lot of time with uh, people entering the workforce, uh, college, college students, uh, you know, people just starting out, you know, small business owners. And I always tell people, think about the word that you want people to use to describe you at the end of your career. Wow. So whatever that word is, for me, the word was thoughtful. I wanted to be considered a thoughtful leader. And if you think about that word, so you're graduating college, you've got this vision of your career, and you start to think of that word. And then throughout your career, you're building that mosaic to support that word. And so if you want to be a thoughtful leader or you want to have integrity or whatever that key word is or what, you know, what, what do you want people to say when they talk about you long after you're gone? What's that word? And I think that 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 helps you through your journey. You always become true to yourself. And I think that's very important. So I think 
So think about that. That becomes your brand, right? If you think about a product and I give you a product and I say its name, right away you can think about what that brand stands for, what the brand promise is, how it's executed, what the brand looks like. Well, that's the same with you as a leader. What's your brand? What's your product? You know, if so, if you called up someone and said, hey, I got a job, I'm working for Rocky, what's he like? They would tell you three or four things about me, right? Well, that's my brand the same way a product has a brand. So you're starting to build your brand uh, as a small business owner, you have a brand. And so I think that's so important. And I think you want to ask yourself three key questions. Who am I? What do I stand for? And what won't I compromise as a leader? And if you can answer those three questions, one and two are pretty, you can answer reasonably well. Who am I? What do I stand for? Number three is the key one. What won't I compromise? Because throughout your career, you're going to get challenged on that number three. What won't I compromise? And so, for example, if my word is thoughtful and I'm in a very tight situation, there's a lot of pressure. Maybe we're behind in our business plan. I'm still going to treat people with dignity and respect. I'm still going to be thoughtful. I'm not going to yell and scream and act like a fool just because we're behind the plan. Well, that's because I won't compromise that. So that's why I think it's important to think about what your brand, what's that word that represents your brand? What is, how, you, how do you answer those three questions? Who am I? What do I stand for? What won't I compromise? And I think what happens is you start to build that your brand, your brand identity, what your brand stands for. As for how people can get with me, as you can, uh, my book is Tighten the Lug Nuts, The Principles of Balanced Leadership. There's a lot of great stories in the book that I talk about through my 40-year career. Uh, the book title, Tighten the Lug Nuts, is a story inside the book. Uh, but I think it's important to always make sure your lug nuts aren't loose, right? You know, Mark, <laughs> you know, and, and so I think uh, you'll enjoy the story of how I came up with the title, but uh, loose lug nuts cause a lot of problems. So make sure you tighten those lug nuts. And then um, my website is www, the number three, and the word 60, S-I-X-T-Y, managementservices.com. There's a lot of information. There's podcasts on there. I'll load up our podcast, but there's other podcasts on the website of other interviews. There's YouTube videos, uh, a lot of media, and then there's information about me as a speaker and some of the training uh, things that we do. We love working with small businesses around the world, so it's a lot of fun for us to do that. And then uh, finally, you can email me at Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, Romanella, R-O-M-A-N-E-L-L-A at gmail.com. The book is on Barnes and Noble and Amazon does a great job fulfilling the book. Uh, so uh, besides the website, you can get it on Amazon very easily as well. Mm. All right. Thank you for sharing your true and valuable with us, Rocky. Really appreciate to have you here. And for the listeners, I will catch you another time. Are you looking to become a better leader, whether that's in business, in sports or in life? And you haven't found a book yet to help you get to that game-changing aha moment? Well, we have the book for you. Tighten the Lug Nuts, The Principles of Balanced Leadership. Tighten the Lug Nuts will help you get to that game-changing leadership moment. Available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iBooks, or at 360managementservices.com. That's the number 360managementservices.com. Pick up your copy today and start changing your leadership styles. Would you like to know more about business strategies and life hacks that could make your life more productive? If so, subscribe to our podcast now so you don't miss out later. Remember, always hack your day.